Well, <clears throat> good morning, fellowship. Welcome back to church. It's great to have you all here with us. A little, little spring break is upon us here in our community, and so it's fun to have some faces who are still with us here in town. Uh, my name is Finley Robinson, one of the pastors here. And just a couple of quick housekeeping things, and we've got some, some fun stories happening we want to share. Uh, Holy Week is coming in two weeks, and so Easter is going to be two weeks from this morning. And so uh, that week, as we're kind of leading up to it, uh, we want you guys to be aware that on Good Friday, uh, we are going to have kind of a, a place set aside if you want to come to the church, if you kind of want to spend some time just in your own heart with the Lord. On Good Friday from 7 a.m. until 5 p.m. in the Fayette Kids area, we're going to kind of have a special area kind of dedicated to that if you want to come and spend some time on Good Friday. And then on Easter Sunday, uh, here's what we're going to have. Uh, we're going to have services in here. We're going to have three services in here at 8, 9.30, and 11. And then we're going to have a tempt, kind of weather permitting, we hope, two weeks out, it looks promising, we'll see, uh, two family kind of oriented services. So bring a lawn chair out in our west parking lot out there at 9.30 and 11. And so wanted you guys to be aware of that, just to kind of begin thinking about making your plans for Easter Sunday. That's going to be here in two weeks. It just always kind of gets here so fast in the spring. So uh, we want you guys to know that also, and we're finishing up Joshua this morning, and wanted you guys to be able to have, if you, if you are um, desirous of some kind of like um, ways to remember what we've learned, some of the themes of Joshua, we've made some uh, phone lock screens that you can download, so you can hit this QR code if you want to, and you can download those. We'll also have this kind of up at the end of the service as well, and so just a way to kind of remember the things that we've been talking about and learning here in Joshua, kind of have some scripture kind of always before you if you want to grab that with your phone. So uh, that being said, there's our housekeeping stuff. This is Aaron Marshall. He's one of our community shepherds, serves in some really important capacities here for our staff and our church, but also is involved in the community in some really cool ways. And so Aaron's going to share some of the stuff that has been going on in Fable he's been a part of. So yeah, thanks, Finley, and uh, I'm excited to share with you today a little bit about New Beginnings uh, Transitional Homeless Village. Uh, this is a project we've been working on for a couple of years, and the idea is to build a bridge for the 150 to 200 or so folks that are living in the woods in Fayetteville without a roof over their head. And in order for them to be able to access all of the other services that exist in our community, uh, putting a roof over their head and giving them a place to lay their head at night for a period of time to transition and build a bridge out of the woods uh, to come back to responsible uh, citizenship. Uh, this New Beginnings uh, Village project was born, and Kevin Fitzpatrick is a sociologist at the U of A, attends our church. He's the expert on homelessness and poverty, uh, I think, in our country, but uh, he's got all the data and the, built the program um, we've started construction, and we've got a couple of pictures that I'd love to share with you. So we bought five acres of land on the corner of 19th Street and South School, and our program building is already in place. That's where the case management will happen. That's where the bathrooms and the showers and the commercial kitchen are. And then everywhere you see that red dirt patch will have 20 10 by 12 micro shelters where people can come in, get out of the woods, out from their tent or whatever under the tarp they've been uh, just existing in. And then as survival mode begins to recede, we can 
uh, we can help them work on the mental health and the addiction and the job skills and the document issues that they have. And so I want to say thank you to each one of you who generously gave to the gift last Christmas season. And thank you to the elders and the leadership of our church because they uh, helped us and gave a portion of that gift uh, to New Beginnings towards this project. And so this church, you and your leadership uh, care about what's happening in our community. And several of us here uh, are involved in this project. And so I want you to uh, I want to thank you for your generosity, and I want to thank you for your participation uh, with us in that. And I want to invite you, if you would like to know more, you can go to newbeginningsnwa.org, not O-R-O-G, but O-R-G, uh, and you can hear more. There's videos there, there's more information, and there's a donate button if you'd like to give directly. Uh, we do need uh, a little bit more money to finish the construction campaign. Lastly, I want to finish with uh, a story that I, uh, a friend of mine came out this past Monday to tour the construction site to see where we were at. He and his wife gave them the whole spiel. We walked the land, and when he left, he said, you know, I really needed this. After what we've all been through the last 12 months, he said, I just got really inwardly focused on my own issues, my own struggle and all that we've experienced. And he said, I needed to hear about this and see this with fresh eyes and realize that, you know, there's a lot of people that are in worse shape than me. And he said, it was really a good reset to think about others and to think outwardly and maybe stop looking so inward at my own minor problems compared to those who are in the woods tonight with no home. And so I just share that with you as maybe... Like me, there's been times over the last 12 months you've gotten really inwardly focused, and it's a good reset to think about others and how we can serve our community and not just uh, be worried about our own day-to-day -day issues. So would you pray with me as we begin our worship time this morning? Father, we're so thankful that you, you love us and you care about us and you sent Jesus to demonstrate that love and that as we anticipate in a few weeks uh, celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus, we're so thankful that the grace extended to us in those events matters today and that you care about the underserved and underprivileged, the poor and needy. And we have an opportunity here in our own community to make a difference, one life at a time, one day at a time, one step at a time. And Lord, I just ask that you would give each one of us a sense of what we can do to share your love with those around us as we go through our day and our week this week. And as we lift up your name today, may you be pleased and praised with our sacrifice of worship in song and word and deed in our hearts to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, as a staff, it really is our prayer that we would be a church that um, loves locally and then also globally. And so what an what awesome opportunity, Aaron, for our church to get involved in that and, and support that. Uh, well, welcome to Fellowship Fayetteville. My name is David. Uh, this is Mary Beth. Mary Beth sings and plays violin and does just about anything that we ever ask her to do. And you do an awesome job every time. Um, we're, we're so thankful and glad to be here this morning. As Finley mentioned, uh, this is our very last week in Joshua. 
has this semester not just flown by? Feels like we just started Joshua uh, about last week, and we're already we're already um, on our last passage uh, today. Um, the first song we're going to sing this morning is a super familiar song. It's a song that we've sung in here many, many times called Come Thou Fount. But I wanted to take a moment and explain one of the words that we sing in this song that I'm not sure we actually understand what it means. So in the, the, song, the, the word Ebenezer, I'm not going to shame you right now, but who else pictures Ebenezer Scrooge every time we sing that lyric? I'm guilty of it too. You're not alone. Um, what an Ebenezer is, is actually not talking about Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, what it's talking about is a faithful reminder of, of God's promises. So for example, in the book of Joshua, we learned how the Israelites crossed the Jordan in chapter four, and they were commanded, every 12 tribes, every man would grab a stone and put it where they were sleeping that night. And that stone would be a reminder forever. So an Ebenezer is a memorial stone that whenever you see it, you're reminded of the faithfulness of God. And so whenever we sing that, here I raise my Ebenezer, here I raise my remembrance of your faithfulness, and hither by thy help, by your help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to recall a moment of the Lord's faithfulness in your life. So think about something that you really, really wanted, really, really bad at, at a time, and you didn't get it. But now looking back, you're thankful that you didn't get it. Maybe it was a job, a relationship, whatever it may be. Take a moment and think about something you deeply wanted that you never received, but now you're thankful you didn't. And that might be a little hint of the Lord's faithfulness in your life. And then we're going to sing this song together. So take a moment and think about that. Well, Lord, this morning as we sing to you, would you remind us of your goodness, of your faithfulness, Lord, how you've never left us, you never will. Lord, would you open our eyes to see you through the songs that we sing this morning. It's all about you. In your name I pray, amen. This morning, I'm gonna invite you to worship how you feel led. If you wanna stand, stand with us. If you wanna stay seated, you have complete freedom to do that. Let's just engage the Lord this morning and sing to him.
by my side There wasn't a day That you let me fall In all of my life Your love has been true So with all of my life I will worship you Wasn't a day That you were by my side There wasn't a day That you let me fall passage on the screen. I'm just going to ask you to take a moment to yourself and read it. Think about it, and then we're going to read it out loud together, until we and then we'll continue to sing together. Let's read it out loud together. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can. commands all the hosts of heaven who else can make every king bow down who else can whisper in darkness Just carry it. 
that your presence would be with us. We ask that our hearts would be open to your word this morning. God, we pray for the families that were affected by the shooting in Atlanta. 
God, we just confess that the brokenness of this world, the, the racism, God, the, the broken um, sexual addiction that, that happens, God, we just, we just pray for healing. God, we pray for the churches that are waking up this morning and are ministering to that community. And we pray that they would have grace and truth to bring into their community. So we love you. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for leaving it with us. We pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's been a year <clears throat> since we kind of shut everything down. We weren't having church this time last year. I'm not really sure if it feels like two months or like five years. Just kind of undetermined in my mind a little bit. But uh, one of the things that, that happened in my family was we got to spend a whole lot of time with our kids. And we've got teenagers and they were around us and we got to do some really fun things. And one of the kind of my big memories that I will recall from that kind of time we were just kind of locked in as a family was my son and I watched the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. And I had never watched it before. I'd always wanted to see it. Um, basically, it's a, it's a story. There's kind of a 10-part episode that Tom Hanks and his production crew made. And it's a story that follows Easy Company. And Easy Company was a part of the 101st Airborne Division, part of the Army, that was, that was sent, obviously, to, to fight in World War II. And it, it follows kind of the story of them being kind of parachuting into Normandy all the way until they reach kind of Hitler's kind of castle area in Germany. It's kind of this 10-part episode, and it was amazing. And I got to watch with my son, and he's kind of locked in on World War II stuff, and it was, it was very memorable. But there was a particular part of every single episode that, that always stood out. At the beginning of every single episode, it would kind of begin with an interview with some old men. And I quickly realized, I didn't know what was being done at first, but I quickly realized they were interviewing actual men who were a part of Easy Company who had fought in the battles and had experienced the various things that we were about to witness as we were watching this next episode. And what you would do is you would see these men, and they were old and they were gray, and you could hear in like the timbre of their voice, and you could see sometimes as, as tears would come down their face what that experience meant to them, what it was like to uh, fight in those battles, and, and what it did. It was a brilliant storytelling technique that they did, which was they would give kind of small pictures of what their experience was like, and then you would watch the episode. So whether it was um, in this battle, or whether it was surviving this cold this winter, and it made it so believable because these men had been there. These men who had fought were telling the story, and then you were just locked in into what was about to happen next. You had this respect for them. It, it made you believe what was about to unfold in these stories was true, and it really kind of gave this connection and made it come alive because you saw these old men who had been there. We're going to hear from an old man this morning. Uh, we're going to look at the end of Joshua is where we are going to begin. So in your Bibles in Joshua 
or your electronic device, Joshua chapter 23 is where we're going to kind of conclude this series. And, and here's what we're going to see. Um, these, these men, these old men that were kind of giving us this belief of what it was like to be a part of that battle, we're going to hear from Joshua and Joshua is going to kind of lay out for us the heart of what he wanted his people to embrace. And here is the heart of the message this morning, the big idea. The heart of our faith is a heart relationship with God. This is what Joshua is going to lay out for us. This is what he's going to kind of utter to his people as he is concluding his life. The heart of our faith is a heart relationship with God. And so here we go in Joshua chapter 23. It says, a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was very old, Joshua summoned all of Israel, its elders and its heads and its judges and officers, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. So, so he gathers these, these men together. He, he goes after kind of the leadership of the people, and here's what he's going to do. He's going to kind of deliver a message. Now, here's where this is taking place. Just kind of a, a bit of a rewind. Here's what we've got. Uh, this right here is, is kind of the, 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 the story of what has taken place in Joshua. So chapters 1 through 22, what we see is this conquest. The conquest took seven years to take place. So from the time that we first met Rahab and the spies to when they crossed the Jordan when there was a southern campaign and northern campaign, all of that took seven years. So we're at the end of that, end of this conquest, and now, kind of at the conclusion, there is going to be this commitment that Joshua is going to ask of the people, as he's going to kind of stand before them, and here's what he's going to do. He's going to give a couple of sermons, a couple of speeches, and here's kind of the inside scoop. This is what happens. You speak something that is true, and then you ask people to apply it. You teach something, and then you call them to respond. And so Joshua is going to stand up before this leadership. He, he knows that if, if he is going to be leaving, he's got to speak to the leaders of the people of God first. And he's going to say, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. We just talked and we just sang about the faithfulness of God. Joshua reiterates that it is God who has fought for you. You've seen that all he has done. And then he says this. Therefore, verse six. Be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside from it, neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. Joshua gets up in front of the leadership and he says to them, be very strong. Do not turn to the right or to the left. And, and here is the problem that Joshua is facing. Joshua, who, this, this old man who's standing before these people, who, who knows that his time is over, he cares about the continued faithfulness of the people of God, but he has a problem because how do you command the hearts 
of people? How do you command allegiance to God knowing, knowing that the natural inclination of the hearts of people are to be disloyal? The natural kind of given over to distractions, to looking to the right or to the left, he wants to command their allegiance But that's a problem because he is leaving one and two. How do you command allegiance? You see, he's he's speaking about the faithfulness of God and the response that is needed from the people of God. And the reality is, when it comes to Yahweh, when it comes to God Almighty, there is no shared allegiance. Uh, There is uh, no opportunity for a half-hearted devotion when it comes to following God. And yet, he knows his people. And if we're honest, our hearts are easily given over to disloyalty. It is easy to not continually be faithful to God. You see, our tendency, their tendency and our tendency is to find our satisfaction and our security in non-God places, right? Isn't that true of us? It is easy to find our satisfaction, our security in non-God places. The Bible gives a name to this a condition of our heart. It's called idolatry. Idolatry is simply this. It's anything that the heart trusts and is committed to other than God. That's what it means to be idolatrous, that, that your heart is, is committed to and trusts something other than God. If we take a step back and we look at our own hearts, we know that that is true. I know that that is true of me. You see, I have found over the course of my life that I can and I do idolize a lot of things. I idolize money. I've idolized sex. I've idolized my kids. It's easy for me to to idolize and to put trust and hope in my own reputation that I find that that, that I've I've given so much of my time and effort, I've I've committed to my hobbies and to my teens, and it's just so easy for my heart to be disloyal to the God that I pledge to serve. But the reality is those things can't keep me happy. Uh, They can't allow me to be safe and secure, and yet I continually trust these things that, you know what? They just let me down. As much as I don't want to admit it, that is true. Joshua is saying here, listen, be very strong. He's saying, having a heart relationship, not turning to the right or to the left, pledging allegiance, being loyal to God and God alone means that our hearts are our hearts are like, it's, it's the whole person, our mind, our will, our emotions. They have allegiance to one and to one only. He uses this word in verse eight. He says, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. He uses this word cling, all right? Now, this word cling is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter two. When, when God brings Adam and Eve together, when he's talking about kind of that first marriage, this idea of clinging, he says, you shall leave your father and mother and hold fast to your wife. 
And so he's giving the illustration, you shall cling, hold fast to the Lord your God. This is a picture of me and my wife. We took a picture in the snow because that's what you do. When you're around Valentine's Day and you need a new picture for your social media, take a picture with your beautiful wife. That's what you do. So the idea of clinging to the Lord your God, think of it in the terms of marriage. For me, I am loyal. Uh, I have pledged loyalty to one woman. I don't get to share my loyalty between two women. I'm committed to one person only. I don't, I don't share my heart. I, I, don't, I don't share my mind. I don't share my bed. I don't share my fears with my wife and someone else. And what that means is, for me, I, I now organize and structure my life to remain faithful and committed to one woman. You see, I have to protect that relationship, and I set up the, the structures of my life in my heart to prioritize her and her alone so that we cling together, so that we are bound together. In marriage, there is no opportunity for shared loyalty between multiple women. There is one woman for me. What Joshua is saying is, you cling to the Lord your God. The idols are put away. There is one God and one God only. And so then he gives this warning. He says, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. I think it's interesting. He has this problem before him that, that we pledge allegiance and loyalty to one God, and yet it's so easy to wander. And he says, be very careful. He's, he's giving them this warning and alerting them, you're going to find yourself in situations where you want to follow and to give your heart to something else. So be very careful. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive with these nations. They will be a snare and a trap and a whip and thorns until you perish off this good ground that the Lord has given to you. He's both warning them of what can happen, but he's also warming their heart to love God above all else. You see, what happened is they had been, they had been fighting. God had gone before them. They were in a place of desperation as they were conquering and entering into this promised land that it was theirs. And you know, when you're in a time of distress and great need, it's really easy to trust the God that has gone before you, that he's gonna be faithful because you need him. But now for these people, they were settling down. It was gonna get more comfortable. They were gonna be a part of the culture and a part of the community around them. And he says, listen, be very careful. For if you turn back and cling, if you turn back and now integrate your life to the community around you, what you're gonna find is that your heart, your disloyal heart is going to drift away. I kind of think about it like this, this warning that he's giving. How many of you have ever been canoeing someplace around here in Arkansas? Show of hands, it's good. If you're not raising your hand, you should. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of pretty great kind of national forest places you should go. So 
Um, if you've ever been canoeing, you know, jump on the White River, jump on the Buffalo, the Kings River, whatever, what happens when you canoe is pretty simple. You put your canoe in at one point, kind of at the top of the river, and then it carries you further down the river, and you get to take out wherever it is that you're going to take out of the river. And you get to see the scenery, and you get to paddle, and it's just kind of this relaxing idea. And for the most part, generally speaking, the water just takes you. You're, just, you're a part of the water. You're a part of what's happening. You're sitting in the canoe, and it's just kind of taking you along with it. But there's a really important part of canoeing. You want to be taken with the water. You don't want to be overcome by the water. And I love watching new canoers. It's a lot of fun because you can just see what happens. You take a wrong turn. You run into the wall, the rapids, you don't do it right, and all of a sudden, the canoe just sinks. So it's one thing to be taken with the water. It's something else to be taken over by the water. And this is the warning that, that he is giving to the people and that we need to heed as well. What he is saying is, when you are settling down, when you're a part of the community and the culture around you, it's one thing to associate. It's one thing to be a part of the community, the culture. It's something else to be taken over by it. You see, you want the canoe in the water. You don't want the water in the canoe. That's how you go down the river. And for us, what this means is, as the people of God, as people who are, are seeking to follow Jesus and associate ourselves with him. To associate with the culture, it means that, that as we are living our lives, we're a part of what is going on in our culture and in our community, but we don't believe and put our hope in the same things that the world and the culture around us does. We don't idolize the things that, that people idolize who have no hope in Jesus. See, for us, our association with the world is important. We're a part of the community around us, but yet we don't have the um, privilege of having the, the world overtake us because then it just sinks us. But Joshua's warning is that that opportunity is before us. It is easy to be overtaken by the culture around us, and yet he gives us this warning, be very careful that you don't cling to the idols and the things of this world. You can associate, but don't have it assimilate to you in your life. And he concludes this kind of speech to these leaders by saying this, and now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. He concludes with this strong statement about the faithfulness of God. I just, I kind of picture Denzel Washington as Herman Boone. You remember forever the night they played the Titans. I just, I just imagine he's like this coach who's just staring into the eyes deep of his people. It's like, you have to remember forever that all the good things that the Lord your God has promised you have 
come true. Don't ever forget it. So he gives this, he gives this speech to the leaders, and then sometime later he turns and he gathers all the people together in chapter 24. Here's what he says. Joshua gathered together all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and some of the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers, they presented themselves before God. And Joshua's gonna say this to all the people. Now here's why this is important. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, kind of at the beginning of what God was doing with these people. Here at this place, Abraham, uh, who, who was the, the father of many nations, God had called him out out of this pagan land, and he, he sends him to Canaan, this area where uh, now Joshua has led his people back. And at this time in, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, God has spoken to Abraham. He says, I'm gonna bless you. You're gonna be the father of great nations. I'm gonna give this place to you. And here at Shechem, Abraham made an altar and committed a sacrifice. He said, this is the place that God is going to give to our people. Now Joshua has gathered the people back together in this place so that they might take a pledge of allegiance. Joshua has gathered all the people together, and here's what's going to happen. He's going to call the people as he is old and about to be done as their leader, he's gonna kind of have this ceremony and they're gonna have this pledge of allegiance in this place that originally God said was going to be their home. And here's how this works. A pledge of allegiance as a leader, the function, the purpose of this is to have a moment, have an experience, something that you can draw on in the days of difficulty or in the days of a wandering heart. And here's what this looks like. Uh, Abraham, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Joshua is going to give them a story to remember. Uh, he's gonna call back and remind them of the story that they have been a part of. And then uh, he's gonna call them to action. This is what you are to do. These are the steps that you are to take. And then he's gonna give them a very real warning of what it's gonna cost. You have to count the cost if you're actually going to take this pledge of allegiance next. You have to do something. He's gonna call the people to actually take those first steps and then he's gonna finish by saying, hey, remember. Remember that it isn't just uh, smooth sailing. Today you're making this commitment, but moving forward, I want you to remember that some days it's gonna be difficult. So this is what we're going to see. So Abraham, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua says, long ago, thus long ago, and he, he tells the story of their past. He tells the story of what God has done with his people. He begins with Abraham. He talks about how he, he brought him to this place and how he told him that he would be the father of many nations. And he, his sons, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, were gonna come and they were gonna serve the Lord. And then he tells the story about how they were sent to Egypt for a time, and then they grew to be a prosperous and, and a, a large nation, and then they were enslaved. And Joshua tells the story of Moses and Aaron who, who led them out, and then he talks about the unfaithful time in which they didn't believe God, and so they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then Joshua reminds them of what it was like to enter into the promised land and see God go before them. 
So he lays this all out. He reminds them of their heritage and of their inheritance. And then he says in verse 14, he calls them to action. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is that famous line that we have on plates and plaques and bricks around our house, and it's great to have that because Joshua is calling the people to action. He is saying, listen, there is no room on this bus for half-hearted devotion. He's saying, when you look back on your life and the life of your family, you have to make a choice. You have to choose whom you're going to serve. This is not a half-hearted way in which we're going to serve and to follow God. Your allegiance is to one. It's Yahweh or it's not. And what I love about this is Joshua is saying, look at the Look at the legacy that you are leaving. Look at the legacy that you are a part of. It says, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river. The challenge for us is this. When you look at your life, uh, when you look at the idols in which you are easily given over to, is that part of your family? Is that something that has been passed on from generation to generation? And sometimes... Sometimes what we need to do is step back and, and admit and admit that, that our hearts are half-hearted, that our, that our love for Jesus isn't firm and true and that we've been worshiping other things. And sometimes we need to say it out loud with our mouth and sometimes we need to admit it to our family. Sometimes as dads, we need to tell our kids, listen, this has been a part of my life and I don't wanna pass it on to you. Joshua says, put away the gods that you have served. He says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, you're either all in or you're all out. There's no half-hearted way in which you can navigate this. He says, if you're gonna serve the Lord, you gotta count the cost. You see, to serve someone means that you're being used up on behalf of someone else. You're taking what you're having and giving it and pouring it away on behalf of someone else. A mom to her kids, she's being used up on behalf of her kids. Someone who serves in the military is being used up on behalf of their country and someone who's discipling others is pouring their, their spiritual heart into the life of someone else. And Joshua is saying, it's gonna cost you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, but this is... This is the heart of our faith. It is a heart relationship with God, a singular devotion to him. And here's the reality. When Joshua dies, he's 110 years old. Joshua was born in Egypt, and he saw all that God had done to deliver his people. And Joshua was a part of the, the, the generation that wandered around in the desert and Joshua was the leader of the Lord's armies. They were walking and, and conquering here in this land. He had seen all that God had done. 
He said, pick a side. You're either following the Lord, your heart is devoted only to him, or it's not. And so then he gives the people an opportunity. Then the people said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Then they reiterate, for it is the Lord who brought us and our fathers out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who did all those great things in our sight. The Lord drove out all the peoples. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. This is, the most, this is the most faithful generation in the history of Israel. They took the pledge. They, they followed God. And Joshua gives them this warning in verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He gives them this warning. When they're taking this pledge, you remember the story They were called to action. They count the cost, and then he says, listen, let me remind you, let me remind us. Having a heart relationship with God, having a a singular allegiance and devotion to God, it's impossible. It can't be done. There are consequences for sin, but here's the thing about sin. Sin is fun. It's appealing. It feels good. It it fulfills some part of us. And yet we find ourselves living in a broken world, running back to idols because they are really easy. And Joshua gives this warning. He says, whether you followed God for seven days or for 70 years, some people in here have been following him Your faith, your faith is going to have a strong season and it's gonna have seasons of weakness where you are prone to wander as we sang. And so know that when we make this kind of a pledge, when we find ourselves wandering, this is what draws us back. When you commit in marriage, when you take this covenant, the covenant is what holds your marriage together. In the difficult days, it's easy in the fun ones. But Joshua is laying out what it means to take a pledge before God and say, you and you alone will I worship and serve. In verse 21, he said to them, the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And he said to them, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve him. Put away the foreign gods, he says once again. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. What if that was said of us? What if that was said of us as a people, us as a church? We will put away, we will put away the gods that we have served and his voice we will serve. Verse 25, so Joshua made a covenant that day with the people and placed statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. He took a large stone and set it there by the sanctuary of the Lord. What Joshua has done, what Joshua has done is he has led the people in, in acknowledging the condition of the human heart. 
The fact that we are easily given over to uh, wandering, turning to the right and to the left. And this old man who is standing before the people is calling them. He is inviting them. He's saying, look at the faithfulness of God. Are you all in or are you not? So my question for us, fellowship, what if we... What if we spoke out loud the truth and, and said, you know what, I'm willing to, to put away the gods that I have trusted in and committed to. Say, I have no room in my life to worship and to serve something else. What? What if every house here represented said, as for me and, and our house, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna serve the Lord. The heart of our faith is a heart, a desirous heart relationship with God. What if as a church, what if as a church we stood up and said, his voice alone will we listen to and him alone will we obey? It's costly, but yet the riches, the riches of joy, the, the unwavering hope the opportunity for, for God's glory to be revealed, the impact for the kingdom of God. When we say, this day, I pledge moving forward that no one else will I listen to and nothing else will I serve. This is the voice of a man who lived it and who led his people and called out for them to join him. So we offer you the same. Choose this day whom you will serve, whom I will serve. I pray that we will listen to and love and serve the Lord. Let me pray. God, we admit that our hearts waver. We admit that it is so easy for us to run and to chase back into the things that make us comfortable or we think will bring us a temporary satisfaction, God. But may we, may we be a people who pledge and commit and who trust what it means to have you, Yahweh, the faithful God before us always. God, we confess that we can't and we confess that we need you and we trust in your goodness and faithfulness to us. It's in Christ's name we pray.
Stand with us and see this. I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning. His will be done.
look forward to this day. Wait on the day the great I am the faithful and the true the Fellowship, may the legacy of our lives, the legacy of our homes, the legacy of our church, may it be, may it be said of us, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our allegiance is to him and to him alone. It's all glory be to Christ that that is even possible in our hearts and in our lives. We love you guys. If you need to pray with someone, to my left, to your right is our prayer room. We love you guys. We'll see y'all next week for Palm Sunday.